When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of Blakey's Bootroom podcast from Wales Online. My name's Matt Southgum and today, Nathan Blake and Paul Abandonato, you've got me because John Dole's taking a mid-season break. What do you make of that? Iceland. Oh, it's alright for some, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, he's missed the, he's missed the cracker um, because the Bluebirds got the 4-3 win at Derby in the week after a 2-0 win over Leeds. It's not a bad little run, that is it, Blakey? Maybe it's a good omen. <laughs> maybe he should stay in Iceland. <laughs> is that what we're saying? <laughs> Maybe, maybe, no mate, it was uh, back-to-back wins, Derby and Leeds, fantastic, I have to say, and um, I suppose a lot of people say, you know, coming back from 2-0 down at Derby to nick the result in the end, great result, Mm. but I think what was more significant was um, the Leeds United result for me, um, because they've been on such a good run, Derby Mm. of late. I've stumbled a bit, but Leeds have been right up there, and I think a lot of people are, are marking their card as possible, you know, automatic at least yeah. second place. So um, the significance in in both results, but the Leeds for me because I think the Leeds gives you confidence to go into that derby game and be able to uh, find yourself two 0 down, and then back to two two three three, mm. and then uh, to win it in the end. Shows one thing, you've got fight, doesn't it? And yeah. stamina and, and, and a bit of belief in yourself. So, mm. yeah, two fantastic results. When you beat two teams back-to-back who are going for the playoffs, and like you said, Leeds are tipped to be automatic promotion contenders, mm. what kind of lift does that give you as players? And what sort of confidence will you take into the? Huge, yeah. huge. Uh, massive lift in confidence. I think what they need to do now is make sure they carry that, that attitude, that mentality into their home games. Mm. Because if they can get the Cardiff City crowd behind them and really going and start to put in those sort of performances at home the numbers will start to increase slowly but surely and you can build a fortress and I think that's what Cardiff need to do I think what they're doing at the moment is going to stand them in great stead for next season Mm. Uh, I just look at it and think you know I'm reading uh, Neil Warnock's comments today and you know very clever in what he said because I think it's the mentality that needs to not change but alter mm. at Cardiff City Abba what did you make of the uh, the results in the last few days I didn't see either of them coming <laughs> to be brutally honest no you didn't did didn't you I had the Leeds coming. one because they always do Leeds Blakey got a uh, prediction correct for a change last week <laughs> <laughs> joking, eh? um, didn't see either coming really didn't for different reasons although Blakey did point out last week that Cardiff do have a good record against Leeds and there are some sometimes you just have just bogey got it. teams yeah. and it seems it seems Cardiff are Leeds' <laughs> bogey team at yeah. the moment. Conversely, Cardiff don't have a good record at Derby no. and so I, I really didn't see that coming in midweek at all. But to come back from being two 0 down was good enough. Then to take the lead and to be pegged back and yet still to drive on and win it in the ninetieth minute. I think shows terrific resolve by that team, and, yeah. and that is a Neil Warnock team 
through and through. Do you know what? It? It, it is, but it isn't. Do you know what I'm going to say? Because there were too many goals, you know? No, no. I noticed something watching the highlights of the Derby game. I was at drama with my uh, my young son, and I was keeping an eye on the scores, watching uh, the rehearsals to Finder on the Roof. Yeah, there was more drama at Play <laughs> Park. Yeah, so I'm, I'm watching the results on, on, on my uh, app, on my phone. And when it gets to 3 3, I'm thinking. Okay, well, I, I take that mm. after all said and done. Then I see it go four three, and I'm like, like, like a kid in a sweet shop. Like, I, I'm like so excited and thinking, oh my god! Imagine what the boys would be like now. Imagine what that result would be like. Then I went home and watched the highlights, and I'm not sure whether. Well, I think Neil Warnock would agree with me here, but. When you come back from that sort of situation and then nick it so late on, I was shocked that there was only four or five players celebrating. Hmm. Now, I thought they would go absolutely ballistic. Because I, I was. I was sat in drama thinking, oh my God, it's games like that which I miss as a hmm. footballer. Then when I seen it, I thought to myself, boys, you know, you've just gone and into the lion's den sort of thing and, and, and tamed the lion they should they should have just been uncontrollable basically so why I, I don't know I, and that's that's that and a Neil Warnock team trust me if he gets what he wants next season you'll see a big massive difference in things like that I I, I, I couldn't really put my finger on it but I was like I, I, I raised an eyebrow I was like oh okay you know, you've just riled so much pressure on him. He holds his form. He slots the penalty. I'm expecting every player to go, jump, keep it to come running. You know, because it's that kind of team spirit and that fight that develops in your mentality over the course of the season. But it's games like that which can propel you on to go in and really going for a playoff spot. So I was kind of surprised at that. And that doesn't come from the bench. That's That comes from the players themselves. Yeah, well, I say two things to that. What, one is that maybe the defenders mm. were horrified by their own performances. Okay. Um, there was some, you know, Darren Bent certainly had the better of Sean Morris, and that's a rarity. Morrison's normally a bit of a rock for Cardiff. Mm. Um, I know you're not overly a fan of his, Nath, mm. but he does play well. But... Maybe the defenders weren't happy with the way they played. The other thing is, why it wasn't a Warnock-type performance is that you associate him, rightly or wrongly, the same with Allardyce and Pulis as a 1-0 mm. sort of manager. Mm. And this was the antithesis of that. 4-3, mm. that sort of roller coaster <laughs> game. Um, yeah. I don't associate with a Neil Warnock team. So, um, But it was a great win. They've gone up to 12th in the table. They are smack bang in the middle of the table. They're 13 points off. I think it's Wigan in... 22nd place the last relegation spot they're 13 points off Sheffield Wednesday in the 6th place the last playoff place now you can actually realistically start looking up rather than down how far up how far up I think between us I would say there's a slim chance you never say never but there's a slim chance and if I was in the dressing room now what slim chance for the playoffs yeah if I was in the dressing room now that's what I'd be saying to the boys, like, kind of subliminally. 
There's a slight joke to be heard. You never know. It might end up in the playoffs. But start to feed it into the players, into my, into my boys, and you know, you start thinking about it distantly. Wouldn't say it publicly if I was a player in the dress room, but among the lads, I just let them start thinking about it because if you go bang bang with another two or three wins back to back, yeah, you know. I was thinking it's going to take us a while to get the 12. Right. Because we'll all beat each other and we need like two massive results. And Leeds and Derby is going to be difficult. Yeah. But you've seen, you went from like 15 for 60 yeah. to 12. You leapfrogged. Yeah. So now you're in that position where you can start to attack that top eight position. I think there's uh, 11 points between them and the playoffs, I think, something like that. 12, it is. 12 points between yeah. them and the playoffs. So you start. No, it's not twelve, thirteen. I just thirteen. said what it was. Yeah. Okay. So you start to think to yourself, right? That's four games. Yeah. So if we can get two or three wins when others draw or lose, all of a sudden that gap starts to close down to six or seven points. Trust me, the last six weeks of the season is when it all happens. April to mid-May is when it all happens. People start to flounder, they struggle, the lactic stacks to kick in earlier in games and if their mentality is we're chasing and we're gaining, yeah, and you actually can see when you look at the, the, the paper or the the um, computer on a Saturday, you see we're gaining, we're gaining. The teams above you start to think they're coming, they're coming. And it kinda has that sort of negative effect for them and a positive for you. So I'm not saying They'll do it. I'm not saying, you know, as it's likely. It's a slim chance, but yeah, if I was in the dressing room now, I'd be standing to say to the boys, you know. Well, that's fascinating. And to add to that mix, I've actually had a look at their next sequence of games. Mm. There are, this is, this is a cliche, but there are no easy games in the Championship. There really mm-hmm. aren't. But Cardiff don't play one of the top six teams again now until April the 14th mm-hmm. when they go to Sheffield Wednesday. Mm-hmm. They, start, they play Rotherham with a rock bottom. They are rubbish, Rotherham. Mm-hmm. They're a rock bottom. That has to be a shoe in three points this Saturday, mm-hmm. Cardiff at home. Um, they've then got Fulham at home. Fulham are a decent team, mm-hmm. right? But if Cardiff have momentum, and then they're playing teams like QPR and Blackburn and Wolves and mm-hmm. Barnsley and, and, and Brentford. Oh, these much, are much less mid-table kind of These are teams. winnable games. Yeah, absolutely. Mate, right? You get absolutely. a sequence of wins there. Absolutely. They need to get rid of that hoodoo at home. They need to go now, and when I say put it on Rotherham, they need to put it on them. They need to go and score two or three goals as a minimum. Cardiff aren't that sort of side, though. I know they just it, put it, four on top. It, it, it can be, though. It, it is a belief. Um, it's a mentality, Paul. <laughs> It really is. It, you'll see. You'll sometimes we've all seen it in the past. You see teams, and you think, ah, oh, they're struggling a bit, and then all of a sudden, I hate to mention it, but the neighbours down the road, they they were cut away. They were dead. They were gone four weeks ago. Mm. Yeah. So a belief, a mentality, and I think one of the one of the things Cardiff, or the biggest thing for Cardiff, has been consistency. Now, if they go and make a statement on top of what they've just done by beating Rotherham by two or three goals or three or four goals their then belief at home right great result two great results away the fans are up yep. the players are up yep. the manager's up yep. you're all up it's like you, you you know you want to go into the next battle so 
and you've mentioned some of the fixtures there you know Wolves don't frighten you QPR don't frighten you none of them Blackburn Blackburn you know you really and truly you should be saying Blackburn Rotherham you know QPR they should be shoo-ins I'll tell you what Blakey right like you they're not going to get in the playoffs in my view right Mm. but if there is some momentum here and you mentioned the other teams it works in reverse for Mm. them you won't want to be playing against the Cardiff City side who suddenly sneak into sixth place on the last day of the season. Suddenly you're going to have a 35,000 sellout at Cardiff City Stadium. Yeah, two and a half thousand away from home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got, you've got a lot working in your favour. Yeah. And even if they don't pull, I think what is great and what the board, chief exec, chairman, owner should look at is that you're building for next season and you're building a momentum and a belief not only for this season, because let's be fair, we were all thinking, you know, 15th, 16th, we'll take, you know what I mean, as long as we you know, stay at that relegation battle. But now you're thinking, okay, well, what is that? Still 15 games mm-hmm. to go? You know, talk to me after seven games and you're halfway down, you've got eight games left. Like I say, that's when, for me, I always just say, you know, as long as you're there or thereabouts in uh, February, March. And I learned that from my experience at Cardiff City when we won the title. We weren't in, really, I think we were like 12th at one point to before Christmas. And by February, March, we were like top and going for it. We'd just gone on an unbelievable run. Yeah. So it can be done. It can be done. See, to put a team like Rotherham to the sword and to keep winning these games we, we've talked before Cardiff lack a really creative 10 mm. they don't have a goal scoring centre forward what must happen is what happened at Derby where you get your your wide players chipping in yeah now Blakey you, you've mentioned a zillion times on the boot room you're a massive fan of Kadeem Harris mm. he scored two the other night mm. I've yet to see it personally. I don't think he can dink and drop the shoulder and hasn't got the tricks. Or he's yet to prove to me he's got those tricks. He's got blistering pace, I don't mm. deny that, yeah? But he's yet to prove to me that he can really do that on a consistent basis. So, But, you know, if he scores two goals like he did the other night, mm. great. Craig Noon, on the other hand, has got the ability. Mm. There's no question that bloke is a hugely talented footballer we just don't see it often enough from him but again that that was a wonder goal he scored against Derby from outside the box sort we've seen Noon score many times those two have got to keep firing haven't they hey, absolutely. if they don't Junior Hoylet's got to do it absolutely and I, I would I would say to um, the wingers if you participate if there's four or five wingers in the team if you participate in 20-25 games you've got to be looking for a, a, a a ratio of about eight goals as a minimum. As a minimum. So if you play 30-odd, 40-odd games in a season, you've got to be looking to get it to double figures as the wide men, especially in this team. You know like you don't pass up any opportunity to get into the box because they've not gone out and out goal scorers. So the, the goals have to be shared throughout and you have to take, you have to take that responsibility. It's as simple as that. You have to go into the game knowing, right, and not only my job is not only to provide, but I need to score goals. It's as simple as that. I know we tried to bring it down a little bit here, but 
I know Cardiff won 4-3 at Derby, etc., etc. I was already touched on it, though. But do you think Warnock may be slightly concerned that they conceded three goals? Like you said, Abba, with Darren Bench. Oh, yeah. Or Sean Morrison. Darren Bench never got over Sean Morrison. I've said it in the past. Sean Morrison doesn't get off the floor when he defends his box. He is a, he is, he is a tower of strength in the attacking box. But he's somewhat of a liability in his own box. Which doesn't make, like I've always said, it doesn't make sense to me. When he's defending, you know, he gets an inch or two off the ground. Yeah. When he's attacking, he's like, he's like an Alan Shearer. He's, he's just up, he holds and hangs in the air. I don't get it. Mm. And Darren Bent the other night, the, you know, the third goal. First of all, what should have happened is Connolly should have stopped the cross. Any kid watching that, I was watching it, and I just thought, man, you know. That's so unlike Connolly. Yeah. He's usually a beast in the tackle, yeah. you know, and he's kind of run alongside the lad and didn't even really get any heat on him to, to press the ball. He's let the cross come in the box and then Ben gets on the back of Morrison, which he should never do. But if he does, all Morrison's got to do is jump backwards. Once he knows it's going over his head because as a centre forward, one, I'm pretty, so I don't want to get my nose bust. Right, <laughs> and two, he's got much. He's, he he just puts his body into him, and and Ben would like probably tend to close his eyes or try and protect his face a bit. So there was two things there for me. It was it was Connolly got to stop that cross, or got to make more effort to stop the cross. He he kind of let him cross it, all right. And any kids who they hear managers say it's kind of like an old school thing: stop the cross. Well, watch that goal and you'll see why they say stop the cross. Because I don't think Morrison is 100% concentrated on thinking this is going to do me or he's not even thinking. He's thinking like Connolly's thinking. I'll probably just go in and someone might get a head on it and I'll go over the back. Well, no. It, was, it wasn't a great goal. It was a scrappy goal. But look, both players for me. It wasn't Morrison alone. It was, it was Connolly should have stopped that cross as well. Yeah. I, I want you to uh, take me into the mind of a Cardiff City player here. You're two 0 down at Derby. What's the psychology of that situation for you as a Cardiff City player in that situation? Anger, frustration. Mm. Um, what are you looking for? Just anything? A fight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking to start something or I'm looking for one of my players to start something or I'm going to start something with one of my players I just need to spark someone mm. I Anything. might take a yellow card and do someone I don't know you know not do them to put them out of the game but you know get wired right into a tackle where you know really and truly I shouldn't really go in like that but I'm going to maybe start a little spark of pushing and shoving or go up to one of my players um, and tell him you know you're not doing a job or just start something me personally trying to get people fired up I get fired up and then in that uh, dressing room half time you, di- you just dig people out mm. and if they have a go at you that's what you want you know they, they, you don't you don't come to blows but you come as close to it as possible mm. and then you know Nine times out of ten, there are one or two occasions where the person will go the other way and sulk, but nine times out of ten, nine and a half times out of ten, most people come out thinking, ah, oh, Blakey's full of this and full of that, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna think he can, you know, 
and then someone does something of the opposition, he's straight in, fired in, because he's, you know, it's like a cat, all his hairs are stood up. And that's that's basically what you want. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I just look, I look at the result, and I, I just think it would have been easy to capitulate. Do you think they would have earlier in the season? I think they would have had a different manager. Yeah. yeah. I think attitude reflects leadership. At the end of the day, I've always said it, and I think since Neil Warnock's come in, I, you know, okay, there's been games they should have won, and he knows that. Hence, why he says about bringing in other players so important. But the biggest thing for me is there was a men, there was a mentality problem. I've always felt that since Margaret Mackay, the dressing room has ruled the roost. I now feel the dressing room is being led rather than leading. Mm. Albert, Blakey touched on it earlier, some of um, Warnock's comments suggesting that uh, there may be other clubs interested in, in him if he doesn't get what he wants this summer. He's already suggested earlier on in the, in the January transfer window he wants more funds available to him. If this continues under Warnock and Cardiff finish, say, 8th or 7th in the league, can the owners risk not giving him what he wants? No. No, pure and simple as that. Yeah, particularly as he's put. I think he's been a little bit naughty, Neil. Mind he keeps having these digs at the owners, but I well, can't he's got he's to doing it. because I, I think he was promised. For, well, I think he would have been told there'd be funds available January, mm. Paul. And I think uh, the way we had read that situation, it seemed like it was almost a shoe in. Okay, you might say okay, they've change their mind or maybe say you know next season but why what I don't get you give Solskjaer money you give yeah. Slade money you give Trollope money you get the best manager of the lot and you don't give him money see, see this only uh, can if <laughs> <laughs> come mean, on they, they can't afford not to listen to him because the fact is their managers have been rubbish all of them Solskjaer major disappointment I thought Solskjaer would be a success when he first came here major disappointment um, Slade looks awful the football was such a switch off Trollope way out of his depth um, they've actually got I won't go as far as saying the best manager outside of the Premier League but you know in terms, I would. Of, in terms of British managers he's right, I would, yeah, right I, up there 100% and so yeah he even says you know he talks about £12 million being spent by Aston Villa or Wolves spending this sum he, he specifically says we, we are close we are, we are close already I only need half of that half of that figure um, again I'm not sure about that because as we've discussed before he needs a centre forward needs a creative 10 he probably needs a boss in I think he would I think You'd give Neil Warnock 15 million quid he get you promoted or get you into the top six. I mean... Right? And I also think if there was that sort of... There should be that money, sort of money made available. I would even push up to about 25, yeah? But I'm saying if you want to almost guarantee it, 15 yeah. to 20 mil. But if he went to 20, what I would say, and I think Neil would be thinking this... I'd take three or four mil and I'd start to develop my training ground, my own training ground, because Warlock will tell you, when you sign a player, when I sign, Paul, you're the manager of Cardiff City. You, 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 right, we've agreed a deal sort of thing, you know, and then I say, right, can I take a look at the training ground? I've seen the ground many times on TV. Problem is, I spend 99.9% .9 of my time at the training ground. That's kind of my second home. So can I see it? 
and I want to go and I want to see what facilities were trained, how many pitches, is it a pool, is it a, you know, is, what, what, what have we got? It's okay. Oh, there are facilities up at the valley. No, well. I don't know, mate. We're, 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 no, but it's state of the art up there. Yeah, we'll be, we, trust me, Paul. We're behind times for the amount of money that's been spent on players over the last five years. You could have took three or four million of that, five million, and built an absolutely, and it's it's theirs. They own it. Yeah, at this moment in time, you know, to me, listen, we used to stay with the Vale with um, Wales Wales fantastic resort it is I ain't gonna argue about that what I'm saying is it's not yours <laughs> yeah and you can, it's not tempered to what your needs are it's tempered to what rugby needs are more than football needs are simple as that so for me the first thing I would do and I think what Ken Chu should be doing is identifying a plot of land and going and building their own training ground that Three or four million plus fifteen mil, twenty mil. I think Cardiff would be in a totally different position. You got to understand where the Premier League is going. It's running away. People are. I spoke to Eddie Newton yesterday. I'm going up the Cobham. I go up the Cobham regular. See Eddie. I do a bit of work with him. And I said I'm going to catch the train rather than drive. So he said, uh, Yeah. He said. Catch the train, leave the car at Swindon because we're coming back there the next day. Um, catch the train at the Cobham, and I said, right. I said, where do I ta- catch a taxi there? He said, no, no, no. You go straight in the Cobham station, and then there is a, a a separate entrance which brings you into the training ground. I said, what from the station? He said, yeah. Roman had it then. It, mate, and I was just like, you, you're just miles and miles and miles ahead. Yeah, I mean, this is Chelsea. Yeah, yeah but my my point is. You, you've got to try and get, yeah. trust me people like Burnley's training ground yeah. Burnley you know you think 10 years ago Burnley were behind Cardiff they've now overtaken surpassed it and just how I mean Swansea the same you, you know the, the, for a club not to have its own training ground from a from a reporter's point of view it's yeah it's okay you've got a decent facility but from a player's point of view you don't really want to be mixing with general public and seeing people. You on your own little corner of the earth and do your thing and, you know, press come in on a Friday, you do your bit and done. But it's like your second home. Mm. Talking of uh, training grounds, Blakey, um, noticed that Warnock had the players out on a local park in Derby on the morning of the game. Yeah, sounds like a Dave Bassett so, move. This was fantastic because uh, he actually said, there are, what, "Why not? Footballers are too pampered these they, days." They so, are. So, yeah, we were. I mean, when I went to Sheffield United, Harry Bassett would do some mad stuff and things like that. Mm. And we did never. We had a different frame of mind, I suppose, back then because no one would go off and go, "What are we doing?" <laughs> it would be funny. It would be like we we get we know what we'd achieve like walk through some set pieces or stuff like that but yeah it's uh, did you, you ever know. mind it as a player doing that no why it's helping us at the end of the day mm. you know, I don't care what people are saying like we'd laugh and joke the boys did you ever train on Barry Beach did you used to go down there at all or 
with COVID. Well, with Cardiff. Yeah. yeah, every summer. Did you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Porth Call well, down to... the public there as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. We used, yeah. To, we used to go down to Merthyr Mawr pre-season, yeah. Yeah. do the ridiculous <laughs> run, and then get out... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then go out, run out to the beach. Uh, this was with Len Ashes and Jimmy Goodfellow, my first, uh, my first one. And uh, you run out to the beach, you do some runs around these shortest sand dunes, like under me, like 50 metre laps, and then um, mark out the pitch on the beach, and we'd have a, like a <laughs> six a side, seven a side, fantastic. You see Chelsea doing that now, you know? Uh, yeah, the no, no, but it, it, it's, it's an asset. You know, it's a, you've got, sometimes you've got to provide, as a coach, like relief for your players, yeah. and going out and doing things, and when you're out into the public once in a blue moon like that, yeah. it just breaks up the monotony of the season and it, it's, it, it used to be fantastic. We used to love it. We used to love it. The only thing we didn't love was knowing we got the big dipper to do at the end. <laughs> <laughs> so have to run back from the beach, up and down the dunes, all the way back and then like be faced with the big dipper. Anyone who's trained at Merthyn Mount will know what I mean. Yeah. You know? The big dipper. Uh, Abba, you um, last week went to meet Craig Bellamy. I did, yeah. yeah good interview, moment, Abs. City, I read that. Thank you. Really good interview. Yeah. So what do you make Craig, of it? Craig's always a good talker anyway. Mm. Um, he's, he's obviously taken on this role as youth guru at the club now, um, which I would argue, preposterous though this sounds, for the future of the club is even more important than Neil Warnock's job, you know, in terms of bringing the youth through. I mean, when I was a, when I was a young reporter, I reported on Blakey's team that won the title and that was a team built mainly on youth Nathan himself came through the ranks Jason Perry Damon Searle there were others then there seemed to be a gap then we had a little Sam Hamam addressed it then we had a little plethora coming through again mm-hmm. of Chris Gunter Joe Ledley Aaron Ramsey James Collins mm. Ian Shaw and Ernie don't forget Ernie, don't forget Ernie, Ernie. Ernie. don't forget Ernie everyone <laughs> um, but then there was a gap again you know and Gareth Bale slipped through the net Craig himself slipped through the net when he was younger. Mm. Um, well, I, I did. Yeah, Blakey I went to Chelsea, went to Chelsea and came, came back. back. Yeah. Um, you know, Craig is passionate and enthusiastic about the need to put templates in place and facilities in place, further to your training grounds, that comments, mm. to ensure that the best yoga... Uh, you know, clearly, this is an area that produces, produces serious football talent. You know, you've been... Okay, Ryan Giggs happened to be born in Cardiff. Mm-hmm. Bale's from Cardiff. Bellamy's from Cardiff. Ramsey's from just up the road. This is serious football talent. Mm-hmm. Only Aaron came through the rut for different reasons. What you know, they were all apart from Aaron, they were all lost to um, Cardiff City for obvious reasons. In Giggs's case, um, but he, he's very enthusiastic about this role about developing homegrown players of which there hasn't been enough in recent times. Declan John's the only one, and Declan's hit and miss at best. To be honest with you. Um, Paul has been saying on his show for the last three years. But you've now got Craig Bellamy in there, and he yeah, really what's needed. He is really going at it with a passion. He's a name to attract the the best local youngsters, make them respect him because of his name. There's a completely different side to it now, though. He's got to prove himself as a coach as opposed to a player. Do you know who I was disappointed to lose? Michael Johnson. I don't know how you let that sort of talent walk out the door. Mm. He's got every coaching badge. He was a fantastic player. He was a leader. I just don't know how you let that walk out the door. It was a similar sort of situation when I scratched my head at um, Gabs. So you ask Gabs, 
and Scott Young to take the first team. Scott Young stays in a quite a privileged position, and Gabs ends up in our position reporting. Mm. Clearly wanting to be a manager. Mm. Clearly. Mm. So former player, local lad. This is what you need. You need local, homegrown yeah. talent. If you've got it floating around your town, your city, yeah. most clubs these days are going and grabbing as much of their old players and bringing it into the system yeah. as possible. The Cardiff fans, you know, I know, I know you could argue this is the case with all fans. We saw it with the Man United class of um, 92. No, the, the, the 92, the gigs class and all that. But Cardiff fans really almost feed off the passion of having homegrown players Absolutely. in their team. And there just hasn't been Absolutely. enough of it in recent times. So they're addressing that side of it. They may or may not address the training ground side of it. They certainly talked about that before. They clearly have got the first team side of it sorted with Neil Warnock because they've got the best manager. So there is a bit if of a they structure. Give money. There is a, there is a <laughs> if they of, give him money. Yeah, there is a bit of a structure here. It's developing. It's jigsaw. developing. Yeah. But like I said in the beginning, when you got Warnock in... Let him take care of first team affairs, yeah. yeah, and then those around him feed off him for his knowledge, because he's going to have a lot of time spent sorting first team out because it needs sorting out. Yeah, but when and where you got Ronnie Jepson, you got Kevin Blackwell. Kevin Blackwell's been a manager within his own right at some big clubs. Let them help you develop, you know, a football club, mm. you know. And I think, listen. There's too many. There's been too many blatant, simple mistakes made. Yeah, like that. That's what I would say to um, Kenchu or or Mehmet or the owner Vincent Tan. Why was Danny Gabadon good enough to take care of the first team for a couple of weeks, but then you didn't say to him, "We'd like to send and put you through your know, licenses and blah blah blah, and go into the academy, same as Craig Bellamy and." Why isn't there some sort of plan developed? If, if Danny Gabs turns around and says, it's not what I want, I want to go into media, blah, blah, blah. You say, great, no problem, good luck, Dan. You're always welcome. But I don't understand that. If you're trying to create a sort of me-against-the-world sort of club, you know, you, first of all, you're taking into account the fact that you're Welsh. <laughs> and as a former player, I know, once you step over the bridge, you get it, mate, just for being Welsh. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's banned and what have you, but there is always a, a an English-Celtic sort of thing. The, the, the Scots, the Welsh, the Irish tend to join together against the English in the banter. We have English against the rest of the world in the five sides and things like that. So you have to understand the whole mentality here and you have to try and create a real, you know, a real force from within. I just think they've... They keep missing opportunities, and um, one of the things they need someone to they, they need advisors at the top level because I think they they think they know too much and they know very little. One of the things that impressed me with Bellas is that he talked of over he, he's in charge from under sevens up to the under twenty three team, and he talked of every side now every age grade side is going to play exactly the same way, yeah. which is the way Wales played when when yeah. he was in the team under under. Toshak in his later years, but certainly Gary Speed, yeah? Yeah. Um, so, 
you know, they will fit. So if there's a if there's a boy in the 11s who's good enough for the 14s, they're going to move him up. You're not yeah. going to have a situation where they, where an under 14 ma- an under 11 manager is going to demand that player stays in his under 11 team. Mm. You know, Craig will oversee it all, and they will. And this should, this should, in theory, work well. Now, how how that style of football equates to Neil Wallace's first team is another matter entirely. Cause it's, mm. it's chalk and cheese. But the theory of playing the same way and seeing the I'm not sure I agree with it, Paul. No, no. Because I've always felt to myself, the problem you've got is, you've just noted it there, I'm not sure how it's going to work when it gets to the first team level. So I've always maintained what, what I think should happen is from the age of 7, 8, 9, 10, there shouldn't really be any worry about like what system, you know, you, you, you play kind of like a 5 a side kind of uh, way. You don't play on a full-size pitch and what have you. But then as you get start to get to 12 and 30 and you start to develop one system of play over the course of a year, maybe two, by the time you get to 15, 14, 15, you should have been encouraged to develop a, at least a second, a plan B, a second system. So you might say a 4-4-2 and then a 4-3-3. So the players know, right, I can play in a 4-4-2 and I can put 4-3-3. Then by the time you're 15, 16, 17, going into the academy, I've always said you should have developed a third, tending to be the three with the wing backs or whatever. Not to play week in, week out, but this is training methods now. You should have developed way different systems of play. I say it because once you get to 18, and it might even be before, Neil Warnock might play, as we've seen, four at the back. Then he might switch to three at the back during the game. This is where the game's gone now. The game is more European. It's not one system fits all sort of thing. It's, right, I'm playing against Paul's team today. We're playing a three at the back. Hold on, he's killing us down the flanks. We need to revert back to a 4-4-2, a back four, bring in two holding midfield players and push our two wide men higher. to take. So it, it's a game of chess. So I understand the one system throughout and I'm not saying I disagree, I'm saying my opinion, what I would do, I would try and develop. By the time that kid is 18, if I've had him since he was seven, I'd feel disappointed if he doesn't know inside out at least three different systems of play. Interesting, interesting. I didn't want to jump in there. That was very interesting. Um, That's just just me personally. (laughs) Just finally then, boys. Um, Let's look ahead to the weekend's fixture against Rotherham. Rock, as we've already mentioned, rock bottom, and surely there's can be no excuses here. They can't beat Leeds and Derby. They can't beat. <laughs> I, mean, I, I need a bit of optimism here. Surely, give the fans some optimism. Go on, Paul. Can, can give they, us the optimism. Can they lose this game? This is exactly the sort of game Cardiff the banana skin in rubbish in. Right? We saw it against Burton, which they scraped in the last minute. I've seen them against Rotherham at home before, nil-nil, one of the worst games I've ever seen at the stadium. It's exactly Wigan. the sort of after... Wigan's another one, lost that 1-0 this season. Mm-hmm. It's exactly the sort of after the Lord's Mayor show, banana skin of the game that Cardiff will slip up in. However, however, surely there is too much momentum now and there is too good a manager for that to happen. Rotherham are so poor, they're, they're something like 
100 points adrift at the bottom. <laughs> I'm exaggerating that, but they are about 12 adrift at the bottom, mate. They really are. <laughs> yeah, they really are. Really I are. think they, they're just still in the teens, I think. They? So, so, come on, on. Yeah, yeah, Card- yeah. Cardiff to win and Cardiff to win comfortably. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I, I agree. And that's what I said earlier. This is the game. It's a mentality thing. And reading through Neil Warnock's uh, interview, it's, I think, he be thinking, right, if we can go out and blast this team, not get a win, not scrape a win, we can go out, even if you get a 2-0 comfortable win. Yeah. If we can go out, win comfortably, win well, play decent, then, you know, I think we're over a hill with the home form sort of thing. Mm. Yes, it's Rotherham, but that is the problem. It's been, right, you know, you're playing against Brighton at home and you probably get a result. And then, you know, Rotherham come and you lose 2-1. It, you know, so it is a mentality thing at the moment. But the away form has been unbelievable. I think if that mentality can extend now and and go out and put, you know, Rotherham to the sword sort of thing, I think you're looking at then both ends of the table. It doesn't, you're into the mentality. It doesn't matter who we play, which is good. Yeah, We're playing well. We got momentum, as Paul says, you know. But if they go in with a bit of fear, a bit of trepidation, they go, they lose or they draw. It's kind of like snakes and ladders football. It's like you go up one and you come down the next, you know. And that's the the lack of consistency. I so. used to wait it when you were on about ninety two on that board and you end up on a giant snake and come down compared <laughs> to about 12 <laughs> well that's what it would be like isn't it? you go and beat Leeds away you go and beat Derby away so you're at 94 <laughs> and then you lose a robber and you're like all the way back to 2 it's like ah oh, no no and that's what I think Neil Warlock is going to be really focused on you know in the dressing room be saying don't take these lightly don't take you're not good enough to take anyone for granted you know, you've only had two decent results, you know, calm your jets, feet on the floor, but go out and make a statement against these. So you're predicting a win? I am predicting a win. I be- I'm predicting a 3-0 win. Yeah, a go. real positive, There's solid, or 3-1. I think they'll get a good result, though, a really good result. All right, it seems like a good note to end it on then, gents. Um, thanks for joining us today, and thanks for you guys for listening at home. Um, so we're full in, into the build-up now to that rather a match and you'll catch all the build-up, the live updates and reaction to that game on Wales Online.